This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Rick Henderson and you're listening to the Pocket Lint Podcast. Coming up later, Pocket Lint's deputy editor, Britta O'Boyle, will be popping by to give us her impressions on the iPhone 14 Pro after having lived with one for a week or so. I'll also be talking with Activision's head of mobile, Chris Plummer, about the new Call of Duty Warzone mobile game that's coming next year. But first, contributing editor Luke Bacon now joins me to talk about the new announcements made by GoPro in the last seven days. So Luke, uh, hello. <laughs> Tell us about GoPro and what was announced. So GoPro have announced their latest action camera, the GoPro Hero 11 Black as well as a mini version of that camera and a creator edition bundle of that camera, which means it comes with lots of pro accessories. Um, the Hero 11 looks a lot like the Hero 10 at first glance. It's, pretty, it's the same shape, same size and everything. But the internals have seen a big upgrade. It has a new sensor at its heart, which is what makes it capable of all its cool new features. Um, yeah, I, I saw on a video that the sensor has expanded in size. Um, what exactly does that add? So what they've done is quite interesting. Normally when you hear people talk about a larger sensor, they're trying to get better low light performance and like when they put a larger sensor in a camera phone. But this one they've gone for a more square format um, sensor, which gives it more headroom. And that allows them to have better image stabilization because there's more room to crop into the image. And it means that you, you can record in a new mode that lets you choose between vertical video and horizontal video after the fact. So you don't have to decide at the time of recording. You just hit record. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, well, this clip's for Instagram. I'll crop it this way. Or this, this clip's for YouTube. I'll crop it the other way, which is pretty cool. Um, it also has allowed a really wide field of view that they're calling hyperview, which is essentially like super super view on all the old cameras that um, takes the whole sensor and stretches it into a really wide field of view. But it has way more headroom because of the new sensor. So it makes everything look very distorted. And it's probably a bit of a Marmite thing. You'll either love it or hate it. But um, especially for things like mountain biking, it makes everything look faster and more exciting. So it's quite cool. I mean, everybody was kind of expecting the Hero 11 Black, but fewer people expected the Black Mini. Um, yeah. What exactly, what's the purpose of the Mini? And what is the biggest radical changes between the, the Black and the Black Mini? So um, the Mini seems to be primarily designed for people attaching the cameras to drones, I think. Um, they removed the the screens completely and they made it smaller and lighter. I mean, over the last few generations of GoPro, they've just been getting heavier and bulkier as time goes by. And for applications like that, you don't want a big, heavy, bulky camera because it will 
reduce the amount of time you can fly and it'll make it fly worse. Um, but also it's for people attaching the camera to their helmet and stuff like the big heavy cameras, you'll really notice that flopping about on your head. Whereas, uh, um, yeah, so the, it's the exact same camera. It's just a smaller form factor, no screens. So you have to use it with the app essentially to, to properly access all the settings. But it's quite an exciting one, um, and that's coming a little bit later. I think it's October twenty fifth that that's actually going to come out. Is that is it um, waterproof like the uh, the main one? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And so you could technically it, it'd be a good one to strap to surfboard, for example, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in a lot of scenarios, you're not really using the screen until after the fact when you want to look at your clips. So. You can do that with the with the app and pairing it to the to your phone. So I, I don't feel like you lose out on too much. Maybe if you're using it in like a vlogging scenario, then you you want to be able to see yourself on that front screen and stuff. But um, I think for a lot of people, the the black mini is going to be really interesting, and it's significantly cheaper. So that's also enticing because it does all the same stuff. What's the general feeling at GoPro these days? Obviously, we went through a massive boom period of action cameras um, back in sort of like the uh, 2018, 2019. Um, And uh, it now seems that the market is smaller and and certainly there are fewer players, there are fewer fewer companies making action cameras. Um, So is GoPro sort of like, see itself as a market leader is it still seeing that there's a big market for this um i think you're right i think it's it's more niche than it used to be and i i feel like gopro's kind of leaning into that nicheness by um offering things like the black mini for for drone flyers who are a niche market but an important one to gopro it seems like and um things like 10-bit color that's in the new model that really is only applicable to professionals. Like the average consumer is not really going to know what that means or what it offers to them. But GoPro are really gunning for that, like, you know, professional user that needs a very small durable camera for very specific shots. Um, Yeah. And I suppose uh, one important question is um, what the price points for these new products specifically the black and the black mini uh so the hero 11 blacks 499 as standard but if you subscribe to gopro's subscription service then you can get it for 100 pounds cheaper um which is pretty significant but then you have got a monthly outgoing bill for, for your gopro subscription yeah and it, it's the same case with the with the uh black mini which i think is 399 so it's uh it's cheaper but you lose you lose two screens and um the battery's not removable either which is understandable because it's got to fit into the small chassis but that's kind of a, a bit of a downside to that model and finally i suppose if you already have a hero black 10 or hero 10 black um yeah. Would you, is there enough of an upgrade to actually consider um, a, a new purchase? Uh, it, that's a tough one because the 
there are things that are definitely better. Like I mentioned, the new mode where you can choose vertical video after the fact. For some people, that's going to be really useful. And the the new hyper view field of view for certain people is like a really exciting kind of game changing lens. But there's no there's no extra resolution. Uh, there's no, no faster slow motion. Um, so I feel like a lot of Hero 10 users are going to be just fine with what they've got. Um, and for people who haven't invested in either, the Hero 10 is definitely going to get cheaper now, which is going to be exciting for some people. Still to come, Britta will be here to review the iPhone 14 Pro, but now we're switching our attention onto a game that might perfectly suit the new Apple handset, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile. Officially unveiled as part of the Call of Duty Next online event, the new mobile title will be released in 2023 for iOS and Android, and you can even pre-register for the game on the Google Play Store right now. Shortly before the next presentation, however, I caught up with Chris Plummer, the head of mobile Activision, who explained what we can expect from the ambitious Battle Royale game and where it fits alongside the publisher's other new COD titles, Warzone 2.0 and Modern Warfare 2. I started by asking him whether the hugely successful existing Call of Duty mobile game will continue when Warzone is released. Absolutely. We're super excited to have two amazing games in the space. And Call of Duty Warzone Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile will continue to carry on. Um, was there a temptation to update it with Warzone or did you always want to create a brand new game on the off sort of like offshoot of it uh, we always wanted to create a more connected experience across the franchise and now with the new advanced call of duty technology that's connected across all platforms we're able to deliver something of the ambition of warzone for the first time and deliver a much more connected experience push the envelope on large-scale player counts and many other innovations that are really only possible at this time. Uh, how, how, in that respect, how will Warzone differ from the Battle Royale mode in, in COD Mobile? Well, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile features Warzone's Battle Royale mode, which has some huge advantages over any other uh, Battle Royale experience and really some big differentiators. I mean, starting with the map, um, you know, we're proving out our gameplay on the map where Warzone was born uh, for Dansk, and this allows us to prove out the large-scale combat across dense urban environments, big, wide-open battlefields, um, you know, really intimate interior uh, combat spaces. It just has such a diversity of environments that really allows us to unlock Warzone style of gameplay, and that includes things like not just the essential Call of Duty shooter experience with the controls and the weapon handling and the animation and the feedback that goes along with it and the control, but also things like the contracts and ability to have an economy and to be able to do missions out within the Battle Royale experience while it's playing out, to use buy stations to buy um, you know, your big stick of choice like a, a precision airstrike or other kill streaks that can really take out entire enemy squads, having the Gulag second chance mechanic where you can go one-on-one -on -one against another player and then have a chance to drop back into the war zone if you're a victor. Um, there's a lot of really exciting elements of war zone that are totally unique 
uh, is among other battle royale games. But really what's taking things to the next level for folks who have played the genre for a while on mobile is we're really pushing the envelope on live human player counts in battle royale matches beyond anything that people have played before. Um, so up to 120 live human players in a single match. And we feel like that is really what battle royale is meant to be. And certainly what Warzone battle royale has always been about. And we're able to bring that to players for the very first time, largely due to the shared um, Call of Duty technology that we're able to bring to players for on mobile. That's a really big thing for mobile. Um, and also, um, what I wanted to know was whether or not the evolution of Warzone since it first arrived um, has that been of massive benefit to the uh, to the mobile version. I think we always benefit from learning from our experiences, learning from our own titles, learning from the um, audience and the market and what's uh, evolving out there. Um, and we'll continue to do that as we move forward. So right now we feel like uh, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile has the essential elements that are so key to making a Warzone experience, you know, um, you know, everything that it's meant to be and sort of what players come to expect. But we'll also continue to evolve it as the franchise evolves and as new innovations are unlocked across the studios that are developing Call of Duty, we'll be able to continue to evolve the experience to make sure we have the best possible mobile uh, battle royale experience for players, um, and not just now, but into the future. So will um, seasoned Warzone players find it quite a simple thing to suddenly just pick up and play? Well, we're committed to making sure that uh, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile is a pick up and play experience for all player types, from our hardest of hardcore, you know, uh, esports pros to brand new casual recruits or people who predominantly play on another platform and feel like mobile is kind of a new a, a new experience altogether. We want to make sure that it's pick up and play for that entire range of players. And so there's a lot of attention played to how we onboard, how the controls work, um, how we can make sure that it's it's best for all of our players. And so depending on, on your kind of platform of choice or what you typically play on, it's either going to feel very familiar or it's going to feel like something that, you know, you're you're going to get to feel feel up potentially for the first time. And it's important for us to, to um, you know, cater to all of those audience segments because we have such a wide, diverse range of players that enjoy um, Call of Duty Warzone Mobile. I mean, this is kind of a related question, but since Call of Duty Mobile released, gaming phones have become a much bigger thing. Um, and was that important to the development of Warzone Mobile, or was it perhaps a distraction, as you'd actually like to be on as many phones as possible? Well, I think whenever there's technology advancement, and that's always the case when you're working in, in games, you know, it, it affords new opportunities and new challenges for us to continue to evolve our experiences and take advantage of those technologies in, in clever ways to uh, provide the best experience to the, to the largest group of players. And so as you know, technologies evolved for, for phones over the last few years, it's definitely allows us to think a little bit differently about what can be possible as we push the envelope to create gigantic maps and large player accounts and um, amazing renderings uh, of, of the play space. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to make sure that it feels great uh, for a large audience of players that, that, that engage across a lot of different devices. And so we really care a lot about performance. We care a lot about making sure we retain that 
uh, authentic Call of Duty feel on the widest range of devices that we can support. And so it's definitely uh, provides a lot of challenges and opportunities, and we like to explore both of them. I mean, will it be scalable, for example? Like, for example, will it go up to 90 or 120 hertz on certain devices, or will that just be too unlevel a playing field? Well, we haven't disclosed any of our technical specs yet for Call of Duty Warzone Mobile, so there'll be more on that in the future. But we're definitely taking advantage of uh, the different types of hardware that are available, and we want to make sure that we're also balancing that out with um, entertaining the largest audience of people and keeping it fair. You know, and a lot of that uh, fairness permeates through how we think about the connectivity across platforms as well. So, for example, we want to make sure that the tuning feels balanced, it feels good, it feels natural for the device you're playing on, regardless of which platform. So we're supporting synchronous crossplay between iOS and Android devices, so mobile to mobile crossplay, and we're avoiding the imbalance that comes with synchronous crossplay between mobile and PC or mobile and yeah. console. Do you think gaming phones generally have opened up the door for a new kind of portable gamer? Well, I think gaming phones are really um, creating new opportunities for people who already play on mobile to be able to have more uh, you know, richer experiences with higher performance. And for folks who are um, sort of enthusiasts for technology and maybe play on other platforms, I think gaming phones give those players a reason to maybe consider game, gaming on mobile if they don't already. I think most people do actually game on mobile uh, regardless of their platform of choice for this genre. But over time, people become more comfortable with uh, controls on other platforms, with some of the play patterns on other platforms. And gaming phones just helps introduce that uh, sort of uh, transition, if you will, to, to game on more and more platforms. We've seen an awful lot of um, mobile games actually make their way onto Switch at some time. Do you think the COD mobile games might ever sort of like go in that direction, considering the Switch runs on a mobile phone architecture? Or is it just too far out of your uh, swim lane? Uh, right now, we're 100% focused on supporting Call of Duty Warzone Mobile on Android and iOS devices, and we haven't made any announcements about other platforms at this time. Um, Android phone owners can now pre-register on Google Play and get some early bonuses. Will something similar be coming for iPhone owners before release? Well, we're super excited for players to be able to pre-register uh, on Google Play right now. And we encourage all of our um, players to tune into our social channels for news updates on other ways to pre-register um, over time. Um, one of the big things that was announced um, about uh, Warzone is that battle passes, like um, the crossplay stuff, battle passes will work across multiple COD games, multiple of the forthcoming mm -hmm. COD games. Um, and uh, some in-game items will also be transferable. Um, will that kind of ecosystem that you're creating for COD, could that be applied to other um, franchises in the future? Well, right now we're 100% focused on creating a more connected experience across all platforms for our Call of Duty players. And that's our focus 100%. And it uh, would be awesome if that inspires deeper connectivity in other franchises. But our focus is really Call of Duty. Um, do you think that a Call of Duty fan is uh, is willing to, I mean, will really honestly benefit from those bonuses because they will happily play across platforms? Well, really what we care about is, is that we really want to honor players' time commitment. 
in Call of Duty. So wherever you invest your time, it's going to be time well spent. And that's really what this is all about. So I'm not here to encourage people to play on one platform or another. Uh, we just want people to wherever they play, their time matters. And that we're going to take it into account and we're going to honor it across platforms. And that's what's important to us. Um, and finally, like Warzone on console and PC kind of evolved and changed over time, is that the sort of idea behind COD Mo uh, Warzone Mobile? Um, is that going to be an, an ever-expanding, ever-evolving platform? Well, right now we're really excited to reveal Warzone Battle Royale and Call of Duty Warzone Mobile and everything that comes with that, um, our connected progression and having a much more connected experience in general having up to 120 players in the same battle royale match and really trying to take things to the next level. But it is only the beginning. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about in the future. Um, and I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to tell you more about that over time. And now on to Britta and her review of the iPhone 14 Pro. So Britt, last time we spoke, you were in California, having just gone hands-on with all the latest Apple devices. Now you've been playing with some of them a lot more since, um, and specifically iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. Um, explain all. They're the probably the flagship devices, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got the 14 in hand as well, though I've not uh, used that one as much just yet because you can only use one phone at once, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, I've been using the 14 Pro for um, the last week. And so far, it's um, it's great from what I can from what I can tell, the picture, the pictures I've been taking seem like they're delivering some really great results from that 48 megapixel wide camera. And the optical zoom is good too. And night mode is definitely quicker this time around than it has been in the past. So definitely some good results on the camera side of things. Um, battery, I am still testing the performance of battery because I think it takes at least a week for your phone to sort of develop into a rhythm so that you can test that properly. But so far, so good. Um, and dynamic island on it is really cool in my experience anyway. That's good. Um because I've been using iOS 16 on the 13 Pro Max, and I'm very impressed with the software, but obviously I don't have Dynamic Island, and there's none of the sort of like the, the, the brand new things that the Pro brings. Um, the other thing that I think most people will have to start with, and you're, uh, you will have done the same, is you're, you've moved into the phone. So you've had to transfer in. How easy a process was that? So Apple have made that super simple these days, to be honest, ever since I believe it was iOS 11, though I, I could be wrong there. Um, you you essentially just scan a code and then it will literally just transfer everything over within about 15 minutes, depending on which option you select. There's also a move to iOS app that Android people can use if they are moving from Android to iOS. So on the whole, I'd say it's very simple to do. It doesn't take very long at all. I was set up within about half an hour, but that was like considering all my photos and everything started moving over. So it definitely does not take a long time at all. So nice and simple process. So what screen size has the, uh, the Pro got? So the Pro is a 6.1, which is the same as the standard iPhone 14. And then the Max is 6.7, which is the same as the iPhone 14 Plus. So you get the same screen sizes on both the Pro and the standard models, but obviously you get more features and things on the pro models this year 
Right. So I think the the interesting part, and you mentioned it earlier, is Dynamic Island, um, because that's a real differentiator between generations. Yeah. And um, what have you found useful about it so far? So it's really good when you are on, sort of, if you're on a call or you're within an app, um, not everything works with it. So it's not, it won't be across the board necessarily, but there's lots of different things that will work with it. So say, for example, you've got Google Maps running as navigation and you happen to be on a phone call. Dynamic Island will pull the Google Maps into Dynamic Island. So you'll see like a little arrow. It then means that you can, if you're within that phone call and you're looking at your screen, you can then tap on Dynamic Island to get you straight into Google Maps again. So it works really well in that you don't have to faff around trying to get to the different apps that you might have open because it sort of selects the ones that you would potentially use or would be using as like the primary one to put in there. So it's quite intelligent in the way that it picks which ones you might want to see. Um, So for example, if you're using Apple Music, that appears in there and the sound waves match the album cover art which is quite nice it looks quite nice but then if you were to start a timer that goes up there as well so you sort of just have it's it's just easier to access the apps that you would be using on a timely basis I would say it's probably the best way to describe it and um, what other features have you found so far that you've you've specifically benefited from so I <laughs> I'm I really like the always on display I know it's been on Android devices for years and it's not a big deal to people <laughs> that use Samsung's and pixels and everything else and I get that but I literally love it I just it's so nice not to see a black screen and it also means that because your notifications then appear at the bottom now with iOS 16 which I also quite like um, you don't feel the need to turn your screen on all the time to check whether there's anything there whereas you felt like you kind of had to do that when you've got a black screen you probably find on the 13 pro max that you probably tap the screen or you tap the power button yeah. quite a lot to see what's on your screen right but when they always on displays there you don't have to do that so it's actually great because things just appear and then you know i mean you know when you then don't have any notifications which is sometimes a little bit sad but otherwise it's great for um it's great for that and it's really nice that you can see the time all the time so you don't have to click it on for that so actually you might even find that it helps your battery out rather than diminishes it. But I'll let you know in a couple of weeks how that goes. I mean, one of the features I like of iOS 16 is the uh, the new home screens or the new wallpaper. Um, and specifically, I have the weather one now as yeah. my um, thing. So it would be handy to have an always on display to show me when it's raining outside. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. It, it they those features marry so well together. Like they they're perfect together. Um, so I can kind of understand why they brought this whole lock screen thing out now. Given that they were doing the always on display, it kind of works and it makes sense. Obviously, the iPhone 14 still has um, the lock screens and everything, so you still get a, a similar experience, but it's not quite as enhanced as you get with the Pro. Given that you get that extra sort of layer, I suppose, with the always on display. You mentioned earlier that you've been using the camera um, and obviously it has a quite a bump in terms of sensor. But have you noticed that the pictures have been looking better? Yes, definitely. There are There is definitely some improvements, especially in low light. It's much faster. It's probably, I mean, they say two times faster. That's what they're using in the marketing. Whether or not that's the case, I, I'm not really sure, but it's definitely a little bit quicker to capture the shot. 
when you're in poor lighting conditions and it's the, the shots also seem to be a little bit brighter which I think is helped by that photonic engine I think it's called yeah that is the photonic <laughs> engine it sounds like it's out of Battlestar Galactica or something <laughs> quick um, <laughs> engage the photonic engine exactly um but no it's I, I can definitely see an improvement and from from what I can gather so far the images are coming out really quite lovely um but that is one of the beauty of iPhone is that you can just point and shoot and typically you'll get a semi-decent result so it looks like they've done that again this year which is great to see so how about selfies because of course the dynamic island isn't just sort of like a nice little uh, animated feature it is actually a, a new front facing camera yeah so um selfies are great by default it's on as mirrored um which there are you can turn it off but it's a little bit it's a little bit strange when you first turn it on because I, I swear it wasn't like that before but um this time it is definitely turned on as mirrored so it's a little bit strange when you look at it but the pictures are good it's a slightly wider aperture than it used to be and you also get autofocus this time around so that's definitely helped improve the shots the only thing I would say about dynamic island as much as I love it and I love the idea of it and that they've made it a thing rather than sort of making it smaller is that you do have to clean that lens before you take your selfie shots because obviously you're touching that section quite a lot more so than you would have done with the notch. Ah, good, good tip actually. Yeah, it makes smudges all over it and I, a lot of people probably forget to clean their lenses before they take shots on the back and the front but it makes such a difference with your photos if you just give them a wipe before you take that shot but you have to do that more so now than you ever did before because of dynamic island so pros and cons (laughs) (laughs) so uh the iphone 14 pro a big tick from you yes i i mean i love it and actually this year more so than previous years i would actually recommend the pro over the 14 obviously you're paying that extra chunk of money but you get quite a lot of extra things for that money this time round. Whereas before the chip was the same and they had the same similar cameras, except for not having the telephoto and things like that. But this year I do actually think there's quite a big difference between the devices. So I'd say if you can afford it, the pro models are the ones you want this year for sure. There's, there's also one last caveat that I'll add is that in the UK and Europe, for some reason, uh, all Apple products have, are quite expensive and more they expensive are. than they are in the US. So if you do have a US holiday planned, <laughs> maybe hold on because you can get it for about £100 less if you travel to the US. That is true, but there's another caveat there in that, remember, the US models um, don't have a SIM tray. Oh, They're yeah. Only. <laughs> They're worth remembering um, if you're someone that travels a lot and likes to switch SIM cards a lot then it might not be for you to buy it in the US. But otherwise, yes, I agree with you there, Rick. Buying it in the US is definitely cheaper than buying it in the UK this time around. And that's it for another edition of the Pocket In Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review and rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also, please follow us on Twitter at PocketLint and Instagram at PocketLintCom, where we'll keep you up to date with all the goings on in the world of tech. And, of course, drop into Pocket-Lint.com online. For now, I've been Rick Henderson, and I'll catch up with you again soon. Tatty bye. <laughs>